0: I'm Marissa. And I'm Liza. And this is Little Sleep, Much Reading Podcast. Woo! And finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely. Out of his mind. So, what's up? How's everyone doing?
1: Enjoying your October? Yeah, your October. Well, we got something to spice it up for you. Today's episode, we're focusing on Mr. R.L. Stein to celebrate his birthday, Yay! which is Friday, October 8th.
0: So, hopefully, you're listening to this. On R.L. Stein's birthday.
1: Happy birthday.
0: Happy birthday, Robert. Stein, Bob. And if you're listening to it late, you have to go actually wish R.L. Stein a happy birthday. Belated.
1: This was surprising to me. I don't know if it's surprising to anyone else, but there's actually a lot that we could have done for R.L. Stein. But me and Liza both went back to our roots a little bit and to uh, something a little bit nostalgic for us. And we both picked our favorite question mark i don't know if it's eliza's favorite but i picked my favorite goosebump book from when i was a kid
0: i did not pick my favorite i just picked one that sounded um fun but while i was just now researching um i was i came across the cover of say cheese and dine And it just elicited a feeling in me of like having that on my bookshelf. I don't know if me and my sister like stole it from the library or something, but I can picture it on my family bookshelf. And I'm glad I read this, but if I had done a favorite, maybe I would have done Say Cheese and Die.
1: That one actually came up a lot in my research.
0: Oh, fun fact that I'll work this in here while Marissa figures out when Say Cheese and Die came out. R.L. Stein does one of two things when he's writing his books either he thinks of a crazy ending first or more likely he thinks of a title first which is so weird who thinks of a title before the story i don't know that's kind of cool but so he maybe was like say cheese and die and then he was like now i gotta go write a book called say cheese and die
1: yeah that's actually really interesting wait
0: everybody listening holy shit Ryan Gosling was the star of the Say Cheese and Die episode in 1996?
1: Shut up. No, he wasn't.
0: That is Ryan. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm going to watch that after this. That was Ryan. (laughs) Why
1: does he look like that?
0: I guess that's what he looked like in the 90s. Kind of king, honestly.
1: His haircut actually isn't that bad for the 90s. No, not at all. He just makes funny faces, but I think it's because he's in Goosebumps. Right. You have to.
0: You have to do it. You have to go for it.
1: Wow. Um, Much to think about there. And now I need to know, did Ryan Gosling say cheese? Did he die?
0: Got to reread that one or go watch the show. Um, Also, I'll just say one more thing about that. That Night of the Living Dummy still haunts my nightmares um, to this day. I hate ventriloquists. Did you already say which one you read? Oh, no, I did not. Go ahead. I read Welcome to Camp Nightmare, um, which came out in 1993, 28 years ago.
1: I read The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight, which came out in 1994, before I was even a twinkle in my mom's eye. So let's talk a little bit about Mr. R.L. Stein. Did you guys know he started off as a little jokester? <laughs> <laughs> he did. He was he was making jokes and stuff, and then he was like, "It was better than making people laugh, <laughs> scaring the pants off them." <laughs> That's his uh, villain origin story.
0: I, I love that he came into this world and was like, you know what I'm meant to do? Terrified children. And he did.
1: He did the damn thing.
0: He has done what he set out to do.
1: I read quite a few articles about him and such. And there was this one where he was like, oh, the great, the great thing about the stories that I write is that nothing bad really happens. No one dies. This, is that, and the other thing. And the interviewer was like, Yeah, but in Fear Street, like it was a story about a haunted house, and the one little boy dies in the house, the other one gets trapped there, the the dad commits suicide or something, and the mom goes crazy. Yeah. And he started laughing and he was like, That's nuts. Who would write that? Wow, I'm I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> bad. But wasn't it slappy? You like murder people? I don't think he murders people. I think he just, he does bad things and then gaslights them, <laughs> them, their family into not believing them. Okay. Okay. So Goosebumps,
0: nothing bad happens in Goosebumps.
1: No, in Goosebumps, I'm pretty sure no one dies yeah. and things get resolved at the end.
0: It's very, he's giving very Scooby-Doo in Goosebumps that like the end, you'll be like, Ah, shucks, it was so-and-so all along.
1: Yes, my ending was just like that.
0: Yeah, wait till you hear about my ending. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs>
1: Let's see. Okay, so we were thinking a lot about how Goosebumps was really, I don't want to say like formative for our childhoods, but it, any classroom you went into, there was a Goosebumps book on the shelf. Any library you went in, into had a whole section on Goosebumps and the one you wanted was always off the shelf and people were checking out Goosebumps, like it was going out of style. So we were just kind of thinking about what R.L. Stein has done for children's literature and so on and so forth. So interestingly enough, I'm pretty sure Goosebumps was first published in 1992 and Fear Street was published, I want to say in 89 yep. and the predecessor to our wonderful goosebumps is actually scary stories to tell in the dark which the first one came out in 81
0: that's so freaking weird
1: isn't that crazy
0: you know how i think how i think um we thought that okay you can start reading goosebumps pretty much as soon as you can read like i don't know like when are we reading goosebumps like third grade but honestly maybe even second grade if you were like a little bit of a tough cookie Am I wrong? Was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark for a little bit older kids? Because I feel like at my library, you maybe weren't even, like, allowed to take that out until, like, fourth grade. So maybe, like, we read Goosebumps before we read Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And so we were, like, obviously Goosebumps comes before Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark.
1: Makes sense. That's crazy. That's from the 80s, though. Old Before I even got my hands on the Goosebumps book that I was going to read and whatever, I was just thinking about how Goosebumps, Scary Stories of Tell in the Dark, and like Fear Street, those are the only, and I guess Coraline, those are the only like scary, like horror kids books that I could think of. But, and I was just thinking, why can't I think of any other kids stories? And I think that that was just me being silly because I mean, we just read Ray Bradbury last week which isn't full-on horror but it is darker um and it is aimed towards children although i wouldn't say that young i would no. say maybe 12
0: yeah like middle school the bailey school kids do you remember that no were they ever gotten into a little bit of mischief with scary stuff also the teachers from the black lagoon do you remember those no okay so the bailey school kids their adventure story but they're supernatural children's book series so the bailey school kids i had completely forgotten about they have dracula doesn't drink lemonade ghouls don't scoop ice cream ghosts don't eat potato chips skeletons don't play tubas like you remember those obviously didn't have as profound an impact on our youth but then the black lagoon series were picture books and i had a ton of these It would be like the teacher from the Black Lagoon, the class trip from the Black Lagoon, the cafeteria from the Black Lagoon, and snow day from the Black Lagoon. And it was like this kid who would just like get his shit rocked basically like every single installment by like really spooky stuff. And the only other thing I can think of, so I had forgotten about both of these, Goosebumps overshadows them. But also, do you remember Banicula? No. But Nicula was a rabbit who was a, like carnivorous. And he was so cool. And he was a book series. And I read those as a kid too. Oh my gosh, Eliza. Baby Eliza was
1: just doing it up. Give me the fear. He's like, <laughs> I want the freaky stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what any of those are. So, okay. So it's interesting because we have a lot of strange children's horror books. And Goosebumps is the one that really made the impact. For I would say most kids yeah. our age.
0: I think for everybody in our
1: age range. I feel like um,
0: I mean, even honestly, like 30 something years old. I don't, my mom's a school librarian, and I think kids still take this Goosebumps books out.
1: I mean, the covers got updated. Yeah. There's bonus features in the back of mine. Heck
0: yeah.
1: And it's also just like, I think they're coming out with a second Goosebumps movie. I don't know if, I don't think they still do The Haunting Hour, but I'm sure there's some new kind of Goosebumps show. And I mean, so kids are getting exposed to Goosebumps in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. I think if I was a kid now and I came home from school and let's say I watched an episode of Goosebumps and I knew I had to wait a whole week until I had to watch the next one, I would sure as heck be picking up a new book at at the library. Totally. I don't know. For, For me, in my brain, child horror isn't like something that totally connects but that I was thinking about it and I just felt silly because me and Liza both took a class at Pratt called horror monstrosity and I think like the second or third week we learned about fairy tales
0: mm-hmm.
1: and those were literally just early children's horror like meant to scare kids into good behavior or life lessons or something it's possible that in many early children's horror, it just comes straight from the parents. You know, these are just like tales told by the parents. Right. There's also a really good essay by Bruno Bettelheim yeah. called Fear of Fantasy. And it's supposed to talk about Hansel and Gretel and Little Red Cap, which I'm assuming is Little Red Riding Hood. Right, yeah. Um, And it tries to explain why and how terrifying texts actually help children develop psychologically to achieve self-reliance and independence. I was also reading a lot of articles about Goosebumps being on censorship lists. And in the 90s, Goosebumps was number 15 on the most frequently challenged books. But now I think it's pushed back to number 94 out of 100. So I mean, now is much better. But for it to be number 15 on the In the '90s, is just insane, and a lot of parents just think it's too scary for their kids and whatnot. Um, And I've said this on previous episodes. I think if you're gonna feel fear, what best way to feel it than while reading a book when you know nothing can happen to you? Right. What I mean,
0: like a controlled Um, environment.
1: Right. And so by reading Goosebumps books. Kids are being exposed to little doses of fear at a time, and like we said, no characters die in Goosebumps. Most of the things that happen are supernatural. For instance, my book, there's scarecrows who come to life. Like, could it happen? I don't know. I'm not going to be the one who says it's it, it'll never happen, because I think anything is
0: possible. It's not like it's not like you're making a kid watch Criminal Minds, right? And like, like scream how the killers are real people and that could honestly genuinely happen.
1: Goosebumps is is like when you go bowling <laughs> and you put the, the safety bumpers on. Yes. That's goosebumps for children's horror. Everything gets resolved at the end. You'll get your strike at the end and you might hit a few bumps. Your ball might take a, 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 little, a little bit of time to get down there, but um, at least it is going to get down there and you're going to Hit something.
0: Right. Also, I don't know why I just had this thought when you said that, like, of course, kids should learn history. I think all history. And I think, like, honestly, at least growing up in the early 2000s, the public school system didn't do a great job with history. Like, I think it kind of did where I lived, like, maybe a little bit better than some other places, but like, they definitely hid things from history from us. But can I just say, I would rather have a kid obsessed with goosebumps. Than a kid who's like obsessed with like the war, like World War One. Like it's way less disconcerting to me to have a kid be like, Yeah, I read every single goosebumps book and I love monsters, than a kid to be like, Yeah, and I take out every book about World War One and I know all these different ways you can kill somebody. Like, I'm gonna stick with the scarecrows that come to life instead of a kid who knows all different kinds of guns in the yeah. war. <laughs>
1: maybe you need a little bit of guidance but... <laughs>
0: right. it's just interesting that parents will be like no they can't read goosebumps but it's like there's plenty of other things that are allowed to do that it's actually just, violent
1: do you not expect anything bad to happen to your kid kids already feel fear kids are scared of things like nothing you do as a parent is going to prevent your kid from being scared because as a kid you're scared of everything that's bigger than you you're scared of the dark you're scared of imaginary things in your head, you're scared of the kids outside, like you're just naturally scared as a kid. And that's just the way that it is. So you can't be like, oh, I don't want my kid to be scared. Put them in a bubble. They're still gonna be scared. Right, right. Interestingly enough, too, I read an article, and I don't remember which one it is, but I could put a lot of the articles that I read in the show notes. And you guys can. Um, you know look at them if you want read them because i thought i thought all the ones that i read were pretty interesting and i went down a couple rabbit holes uh enjoying myself i read a, an article talking about the history of horror and it did kind of delve a little bit into children's horror and you know with the end of the industrial revolution kind of where people were like hey maybe kids shouldn't be in factories and maybe we should have like rights for children so that they're not being like used it ushered in it created childhood for children and therefore things started coming out for children that wasn't just like oh read this story and learn this thing it was more like hey read for pleasure and read because this is fun but a lot of things because they still wanted kids to have childhood was sanitized versions of it and we could even include goosebumps kind of in this conversation it's also interesting that while this book is introducing kids to fear and crazy things it is like oh but everything's good at the end oh but everything's fine at the end and i i mean that is okay it's still exposing children to books, and so it's still fine. And also, according to uh, according to Book Riot, um, according to Priya from Book Riot, and she wrote this article on Halloween in 2018, it's called Readers Beware, We All Need the Scares, How Goosebumps Pave the Road for Children's Horror. It was a very interesting article. Um, I will also try to remember to put that in the show notes. And I just wanted to read a little part of something she said. Goosebumps paved the way for other writers to put in better stories and give Stein competition. Without Goosebumps, we might not have Coraline, the Night Gardener, or all the lovely bad ones. Even fantasy series could get darker. Harry Potter had the Dementors and the Basilisk, while Children of the Red King and the Saga of Darren Shan could allude to death, children going missing, and psychological abuse. We got a raised bar while publishers got permission to scare kids. So that's it's, it's interesting to think about that Goosebumps being a slightly darker series of books that were widely accessible to a number of children, allowed for books like Harry Potter to be kid-friendly, but also still dark. I think we owe uh, a lot to him. Stein was also the best-selling children's author of all time until uh, J.K. Rowling kicked him off with Harry Potter.
0: And he's written over 350 books. How? Well,
1: they are pretty tiny.
0: Oh, also on his website, on his Frequently Asked Questions, someone was like, do you ever get writer's block? And he was like, of course I don't. Oh, yeah. okay. I was like, "What the heck? I kind of like love him. Like I want to meet him. I do. He. I, I was reading. I don't know. I mean, he has kids and grandkids now. But my book, which came out in the nineties, all it says in the back is that he lives in New York with his wife and his King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. <laughs> so that's what he was up to in the nineties. I love him. I know, and. The other fun thing, everybody should go to his. I'm talking about like different things I found on his website, but his website is fun. Um, and if you don't know, he actually has an audio horror series um that's like you can listen to scary stories, um, which I think is really cool. Um, and he also has a new TV show coming out on Disney Plus, the Just Beyond series. Marissa also mentioned the haunting hour earlier. Um, and we talked about the other Goose... The, there's multiple Goosebumps movies. And of course, there's the beloved Goosebumps TV show from the 90s. But I hadn't realized that mostly Ghostly was R.L. Stein, And that was a movie... I think we were maybe a little older when that came out on the Disney Channel. I think yeah. we missed that one because I didn't... I've never seen it. Um, but then, of course, also, Fear Street, our movies now and they're really good and they're definitely not for kids they're honestly probably for older teens even like that's a 15 plus type movie I feel like it's even yeah I wouldn't say PG-13 I would say PG-15 or 16 right yes Um, because they're pretty scary but yeah so he's just like taken over kind of the horror genre as we know it
1: um a fun connection actually to are something wicked episode, Arl Stein actually credits Bradbury with prompting his love of reading. Mm. So Arl Stein also talked in an interview about how he felt that in children's books there always had to be some kind of lesson. The characters always had to grow, and he just kind of felt it was boring. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And he just thought that like adults could read whatever they wanted, and it was just whatever. No one cared. So why couldn't kids have that? he literally says, adults can read all kinds of trash and no one criticizes them. Why do kids have to have that? I thought it would be great to write a bunch of kids books where no one learns and no one grows. (laughs) I love that. So doesn't it make you kind of like look at your book and be like, what? Right. Yeah. I find him so funny.
0: What an Um, icon.
1: I also suggest that everyone goes and reads uh, the Everlasting Joy of Terrifying Children, which was published in The Atlantic by Adrian LaFrance. That one was a really good article that had a lot of uh, funny little things about Mr. R.L. Stein. I just think he's a funny guy. There was also um, something that I read that he was talking about that I just wrote down for me, something about comedy equals tragedy plus time if you think about it it makes sense that is profound (laughs) right so do you have anything else to say about mr rl stein or children's horror
0: oh the other one thing that i will say that not only i feel like i feel like goosebumps books get kids to read um so like my mom is a librarian like i said and she kind of will talk about how like you know some kids like do not want to read and so you have to present them with something that they will read and then they become bookworms. And that will often be graphic novels because it's sometimes easier for kids to read graphic novels and then they realize they like stories and then they'll try something with like more words uh, one of those hybrid graphic novel, regular novel books, and then they'll, you know, move on to chapter books and such. But I think Goosebumps is one of those books that like continuously gets kids to read. And the other, the thing I kind of want to go about that is like, I'll get into it a little bit, but like the storytelling and the writing in these books is fun. And he actually has a section of his website that's a writing program for teachers and librarians. And it's like a little writing workshop to give to kids for like public school teachers and librarians. And I think that is really cool. And I like that it's so accessible. And so I was like, I feel like not only does Goosebumps get kids introduced to horror in a controlled way, like Marissa said, but introduced to books. Um, and introduced to writing so that's pretty cool of him thank
1: you mr stein
0: thank you and i kind of love that little writing thing is it free i think it's free to download um on his website i hope uh if there are any
1: teachers listening you consider using that for your kids because i wish i had something like that as a kid i know my teacher was just like, okay, one hour, we're gonna write in our notebooks. Write in your journals about uh a tree during fall. Right. Me, I'm like, the birds fall. A lot of it dead fall because they die from the cold. <laughs> My teacher was like, that's not what I meant, but okay. <laughs> that's crazy. So let's get to charting.
0: Yeah, let's go to our charts.
1: Also, before we do that, I know I just said let's do it, but I'm so excited for us to post our covers of these books because they're so fun. That's something about Goosebumps books. All the covers are fun. They were always eye-catching and um, a little bit silly, and you knew that Like, if you got this from the library, you weren't putting it in your book bag to walk back to class. You were holding this in your hand so that everyone knew what you got
0: yes exactly
1: so yeah I really can't wait to post that
0: and let's get on with the writing so I will go first because my book came out in 1993 and just to remind y'all I read Welcome to Camp Nightmare and I picked this book because I love um, camp-based horror And so I thought it's kind of funny that he has a camp-based horror, summer camp-based horror for kids, um, because that is a very teen thing. So I feel like, well, the new Fear Street, one of the new Fear Streets is camp. We have Friday the 13th, and then the American Horror Story in 1984. So many good camp stories. So my chart, I didn't quite know what to do because obviously you're not going to rank this in the same way you would rank, like, I don't know, Toni Morrison. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I kind of was like, I think I was generous with it because I had a fun time reading it. And so I just went with it. But for a minute there, I wanted to give it sixes across the board just so it would be like six, 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 Um, Because that is giving Barry, R.L. Stein a little bit like devilish, but I didn't do that. Um, so. <laughs> for readability and interest i gave the book a 6 um which on our chart says read it a good read and it is a good read obviously i'm an adult and so it took me like you know one sitting to read this book but they're super fun and honestly i feel like if you're somebody that like just wants to like read for like literally like just for fun like no other thoughts these are kind of fun if you still have them around and so for shelfworthiness, I gave this a six. I can't really remember which Goosebumps are a one-time read and which are a two-time read. Like, I cannot really recall if I had read this before because if I did, it's been like so long. But I don't know, maybe Goosebumps books are books you can read multiple times. However, he has so many um, that I don't really see why you would need to. But I feel like it's shelf worthy. And the other funny thing, I was just having a great time on his website. There's like a tin you can buy, like that almost looks like a big tin lunchbox like an old-fashioned kind that has all the Goosebumps books in it which is so fun like I was like if you're like a horror collector like even if you do not plan on reading Goosebumps as an adult what a fun thing and I would definitely buy that like if I had like a kid I needed to buy presents for or something like a Goosebumps collection is a great like book series to buy for a kid to have on their bookshelves to start them reading like we said for form and stylization, I gave this book a six. Um, no mistakes. Uh, actually, I'm gonna amend myself there. I think I'm gonna give it a seven because there's nothing new with form, but I was genuinely surprised by some of the language choices that RL Stein made in this book because some of them were like really cool. Um, like here's one on page 29 that is... My heart was in my mouth, I could barely choke out 123 my heart was in my mouth. Like that is actually so true like when you're really scared like I feel like you've you've heard people explain it before as like something in your throat or like you can feel your heart beating in your ears. But i've never heard somebody say my heart was in my mouth, and I thought that was kind of fun, and then this other section that's fun. Is this is the beginning of chapter, chapter eleven? It says, "In the pale starlight, I saw Jay's eyes roll up in his head, his knees collapsed, and he began to slump to the ground." And then later on, it says, "We listened." Next paragraph, silence. Next paragraph, the air hung frozen and still. Next paragraph, nothing moved. No footsteps no animal approaching. So he's like messing with language and form a little bit. And the other thing I kept thinking is somehow it still has to be reminded uh, to like show, don't tell. Um, Even with writers who are like quite old um, and people kind of just have an inclination to tell you things instead of show it. And I think that R.L. Stein actually does a really good job with um, showing you things. Like I've had some experience with them. Teaching kids writing. And that's one thing that we always were doing. We were like, oh, yeah, show don't tell. And they are very perceptive and they will change it right away and realize, oh, yeah, it is more fun if you show don't tell. So this kind of bounces back to if R.L. Stein is inspiring young writers to write, he's setting a good example by doing that. Because I think sometimes people who write children's books too will like, they don't understand how smart kids are. And so they will, they will write stuff that is very simple and is telling you stuff instead of giving you a lot of visuals and metaphors and similes and i'm like kids are a lot smarter than you think Uh, and i think R.L. stein realizes that so i appreciated that about the form and stylization now for the plot so i mentioned that this book takes place at camp and kind of i'm gonna say what the ending was because if you haven't read this you either aren't going to (laughs) Or you're gonna, you did read it and you're like, oh my God, yeah, I remember that one. So they go to camp and all these crazy things are happening and kids keep disappearing. And for a while you think it's monsters, but kids are also like getting attacked by bears. Like kids are almost drowning. Like it is very real deal stuff. And I was honestly shocked. I thought, I don't know what I thought about what the plot was gonna be. Like I knew it took place at camp. And I think it like said like, The camp is weird, the food tastes bad, the counselors are super strange. And I was like, oh, it's just gonna be like one of those. Um, And I thought maybe there would be a monster in it because there's a monster on the cover. Um, No, but it's literally kids just disappearing out of nowhere and just like horrible camp counselors and like scary stuff. And then in the end, you find out that it was all a social experiment and that the main character, Billy, got sent there because his parents uh, they're scientists and they're going on a trip for their work, and they needed to bring Billy with them. So they had to put him in the social experiment where he had to learn to um, take orders, but also not to obey orders if orders are dangerous, um, and like one other cardinal rule. But then, or the last section, they sent him to Camp Night Moon, uh, which gets the nickname Camp, Camp Nightmare because they're traveling to the most dangerous place in the universe. And he goes, where? I asked my parents, where are you taking me? And the dad goes, it's a very strange planet called Earth. So you find out that not only was this camp not actually like a haunted camp, it was a social experiment. And not only was it a social experiment, it was aliens the entire time. All the characters in the book are aliens. I was like, Robert, what? I was honestly so confused, but like I went with it. Is he okay? I don't know. Like, I was like, I don't know where this came from, but that's why I had to give this um, a seven because it was not predictable. <laughs> I don't know where he took me, but it was not where I was expecting to go. And that'll make sense when you think about how he said, he thinks of the endings first, because I'm like, I still don't really understand how he arrived there. Um, but it was very shocking to me. Um, I was like on the Metro North reading this and then I got to that part and I was like, what the heck, what the heck did I just read? So that is that on the plot. And lastly, for characterization, I'm also going to give this book a seven because I thought, so the main thing that I was like struck by was the kid, Billy, who's the main character, he's like 12 years old. He's like a very sensitive 12 year old boy and he did not want to go to camp. And he keeps getting homesick. And he also was really worried about all his friends. He has a very anxious friend who disappears. Um, And Billy ends up being very brave, but the girlies are honestly more brave than Billy. But I was just like, that's so sweet. Like he didn't give, and and it's the the kid's first year at camp. It's this kid, Billy, and his anxious friend's first year at camp. And I was like, that's like interesting. Um, I don't know. I just like that. R. L. Stein presented the youth with that kind of protagonist. Um, because I think it would have been very easy to just have it be like a classic, like, I'm a boy going to camp and you know, whatever. Um, but I like that he was like pretty three-dimensional and like he was he missed his parents and I thought that was kind of sweet. So yeah, kind of like Honestly, great. <laughs> Those are my thoughts on "Welcome to Camp Nightmare" by R.L. Stein.
1: Iconic. Wow, that was interesting. So, were the other kids in on the social experiment?
0: Yeah, everybody there was in on it except for him. And so, all the kids that were disappearing, like they, um, they knew when it. It was like scripted. It was like he got put on punked, basically. <laughs>
1: That sounds <laughs> a little bit traumatizing. Yeah. Um hope he's okay. Hope he's enjoying his time on earth. Oh, where is he? Would you if you were to give one goosebumps book to a child, would it be that one?
0: Honestly, I would probably go with one that was a little bit more classic um because there wasn't actually like they kind of was like monstery type stuff in here but i think i would have i would probably go for one that was like a little bit less like a little bit more i mean monster or paranormal than the alien thing also i don't know we were just talking about this like you should expose your kids to fear but like imagine giving this to your kid to go to summer camp like your third grader and just be like all right (laughs) here's the book you can take with you see you in three weeks <laughs> you know how paranoid that would make them I know that's what I'm saying but I mean I definitely yeah I probably would go with a different one but I thought this book was quite fun
1: um also so there was no monster in yours so did it have in the back of my book I have bonus features and one of the things that I have is. It's called the Fright Gallery.
0: Mm. So I have a Q&A with Mr. Arlstein. Mm-hmm. I have top 10 reasons to be happy your camp is haunted, which is really fun. That makes me actually amend what I said and say I would give this to my kid if they were like worried about camp being haunted. I'd be like, no, I hope your camp is haunted. There is a part with real life snakes in this. And there mm-hmm. is a venomous, venomous snake facts in the back of the book. Um and then there's also create a creepy camp schedule game, but I don't have a monster gallery. What's your monster
1: gallery? Mine is about the scarecrows in my book. Oh, that's so cool. So I guess I could talk about my 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 little fright gallery after my review. Yes. So as I mentioned, my book was I, I I'm pretty sure I remember reading this book once um, being a kid, but I think that it was more the Haunting Hour episode that made it, like, my favorite, because it was just so weird, but, so, I don't know, I guess this is my favorite Goosebumps book, question mark, we'll leave it at that. So, the plot of this book is pretty much Jody and her brother, Mark, go to visit their grandparents who live on a farm and the grandparents have um this guy who his name's Stanley and he's always worked on their farm and he has a son and his son's name is Sticks and they live in the guest house but they they've known the kids forever and so everyone gets along really really well and the kids are so excited for this summer at the farm because they usually live in the city, so they don't really get outside much to to farm things, and so they're excited for their grandpa's scary stories, and they're excited to see the farm and the house, and they're excited for their grandma's pancakes, and to hang out with Sticks and Stanley, and it's there. It's gonna be a great summer. But they get there, and right off the bat, they notice things are a little bit strange. Their grandparents seem older. Uh, their gran- their grandpa, who has a limp, his limp is worse. Their grandma seems tired all the time. She claims she forgot how to make pancakes. Uh, their grandpa refuses to tell them scary stories. He says he doesn't have anything new. And they're like, well, even tell us an old one. And he's like, mm, nah, I'm tired. And they're like, what the heck? This summer was supposed to be great and nothing is going the way that we want it to. Not to mention... Weird things have been happening with the scarecrows around the farm, and the kids are beginning to think that Stanley's son Sticks is playing tricks on them. So they are straight up not having a good time. (laughs) For readability, I gave this a seven. It was a really quick read. It was easy. There are cliffhangers at the end of every single chapter that keep you wanting to read. I think if I were a child reading this for the first time I think that I would eat it up and be so excited for the next one it, it gets a seven um for form and stylization or just language there was no difference in form in this book very very basic and so we're just gonna say language so for language I gave it a seven again it's really simple it's definitely for kids um The reason why I ranked it that high is not only did, like Liza said, there are some really good pieces of language, not even, I wouldn't even say like beautiful in my book, but um, he is constantly describing the scraping sound of, I guess, the hay of scarecrow feet on like the ground. And I think that that is so brilliant because being a kid, you're going to hear that sound everywhere. Your mom is sweeping the kitchen and you're going to be like, oh, heck, (laughs) it's the Scarecrow. Like that's such a a sensory detail that is going to stick with someone. So I thought that was really good Um, for shelf worthy. I gave it a four. I think that you would be fine borrowing it Um, again. It's on every shelf. Do I think kids should read it? Yeah probably, um, just because it's a Goosebumps book. But I think that you could read any Goosebumps book or a plethora of Goosebumps books. And that would also be fine. I don't think you specifically have to read this one. And then for plot, I gave it a five. It's a very basic plot. And I did learn that R.L. Stein actually plots out all of his books, like he writes them out, he probably does a storyline and the climax and the inciting incident and all that jazz. So I can see why it's like that. And I think this would also be a really good book to teach children the structures of stories. And um, the only thing that I would say is there was like, like Eliza was saying, the weird Scooby-Doo ending. What ends up happening in my book is it turns out that Stanley found a book and he calls it the superstition book and he read aloud from it and the scarecrows came to life. And the grandparents begged him to make them go back to sleep again. And so he he made them promise that they would do things how he liked it. They wouldn't laugh at him when he said silly things anymore. They wouldn't make pancakes because he likes eating cereal in the mornings. Uh, the grandpa wasn't allowed to tell his scary stories because Stanley was scared of them, things like that. So they, have, they had to make him happy all the time and he couldn't be upset or he said that he would bring the scarecrows to life again. But the thing was, not all of the scarecrows went back to sleep and some of them are still lurking around without Stanley fully being aware of it. Um and so at the end they do end up killing the scarecrows or whatever. At the end our main character Jody is sitting on the couch in her grandparents den with Stanley and he's reading from the the superstition book again out loud. But she's not really worried about it because all the scarecrows have been burned up. They're all dead. But all of a sudden she looks and the giant stuffed bear that her grandpa had killed a long time ago, starts moving. And then she said, Stanley, what part of the book are you reading? And that's how it ends. Very Scooby-Doo ending. Honestly, if I was on that farm and Stanley was being that much of a little twat, I would literally be like, Hex, no, you're leaving the farm, Stanley. (laughs) Like, we're done with you. No more weird books. Oh, you guys are not making me happy. So I got to bring the scarecrows back. Like, shut up. No this isn't your farm. Like it's not even your farm. You just help. It, I don't know. I just thought it was so annoying. So for characterization, I gave it a five. Again, basic characters, a little stereotypical, the older sister, the younger brother, who's like a little bit lazy. He wants to play his video games. He wants to watch TV, the doting grandparents, the farm hand who is stupid. He's straight up stupid. They even they're like, Oh, we laugh at him all the time. You never know what he's gonna say. Because he's he just says dumb things. And I thought that that was a little bit stereotypical and probably not the best thing to have. Um, But he is a bit of comic relief. Some people like that in their stories. I would have preferred that the Scarecrows grabbed Stanley by his overalls. I'm presuming he wears because he's a farmhand and drag him right back into the corn to where he belongs they did not so yeah uh other than that i liked the character of sticks i thought that he was really interesting to add the dynamic of like is this a joke is this a prank is this really happening and i i also loved the the idea of like going to your grandparents' house because it reminds me of that one movie with the grandparents and they're acting all weird. I loved that movie. <laughs> that movie was so funny, but like in the best, like horrifying way. So yeah, I think that's all I have to say about The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. And let's talk about my fright gallery, please. So in the back of the book, I have questions, a Q&A with the author, Scarecrows in history, very superstitious, which I'm assuming is the book, question mark. And then a peek at another book, another Goosebumps book. But in my Fright Gallery, there's a picture of the original Scarecrow Walks at Midnight cover, which I'm pretty sure is the one I remember with the very creepy looking Scarecrow. And it lists his first appearance, which is this book his origin story, his special powers, his weaknesses, if he's living or dead, his favorite phrase, hobbies and interests, uh last scene, and then splat stats which are his strength, intelligence, speed, attack skills, humor and evil. And I think that that is so funny. <laughs> like I can't imagine reading this book and being like, wow, I was really really scared of these scarecrows and then going to the back and the favorite phrase of the Scarecrow is "the sound of wind blowing through crops." Like what the hell? I just think R.L. Stein is on something else, and I love it. He's he's playing a new game, and we, we all need to like get on track.
0: And that's all I have to say about that. I want there to be um, I want there to be like trading cards, like Pokemon or something. But it's the the little monster stats.
1: Shut up. I will make them.
0: That would be so
1: much fun. And I should do them like old black and white style, like, Ooh. like old horror comics. Oh, and I should do um, uh, lino cuts. So like printmaking. Yeah.
0: Also, why did I just think of Goosebumps um tarot cards?
1: Absolutely.
0: Somebody make them.
1: Um, Please make them and credit Liza with her idea by sending her some. And me.
0: Marissa, you should make trading cards like with your printmaking abilities. That's kind of fun.
1: Like I, I made tarot cards for my final project. Right. So I probably could do it. That would be so
0: fun. Um, I don't know if I asked you this, but do you think reading this as a kid and more so even watching the episode instilled a fear of or or intrigue with Scarecrows in you that inspired you to incorporate the concept of Scarecrows into your own horror writing?
1: I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. There's one specific time when I remember being a little kid and thinking about either this book or the Goosebumps movie. I'm not sure which one. But I was in a hotel room at this like weird shady hotel in the country and it was nighttime and we got back late and I looked out my window and there was just a cornfield and I just remember being like oh shoot like the the (laughs) scarecrows are gonna come like I just thought that and that was the only time I ever remember thinking about it and then it's just like always been in the back of my head and I think that that image of the cornfield like looking out your window and seeing just straight cornfield Forever until the end of the woods. That kind of inspired um the Scarecrow Man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's something fake about an actual Scarecrow. Yeah. And to me, the Scarecrow Man is just like an effed up man who has gotten in too deep with his corn, kind of. Right. And right. I think that what really inspired that is just being a kid and driving around like Lockport and Gasport. Um and towards like Alcott. A lot of if you go past the suburbs anywhere in New York, you're hitting cornfields, you're hitting farms. New York is very diverse. Um, you know, you have the city, you also have suburbs, you also have these really rural farms, you have woods, you have uh the mountains. If you get up to like if you get like up northern new york whatever but so we i think it was just like driving all past all these rows of corn corn cornfields and my sister telling me you have to cross your eyes when you pass the cornfields or else the pig face killer is gonna get you um
0: sisters are so evil on car journeys in particular
1: (laughs) well here's the thing i did that more to my sister than she did it to me iconic um and so like she would be like the pig-faced killer is gonna get you and I'd be like let him <laughs> and she, she would be sitting there with her eyes crossed and I'm like let him I'm not doing that <laughs> I don't bow to any I don't bow, I don't bow to any other gods but me <laughs> you know what I mean like um I also remember being really really young and being on a motorcycle like my grandma's husband had a motorcycle and when I was really young he was like I want to take you out of my motorcycle and I was like okay yeah and she lived in like Lockport so if you don't know Lockport New York it's there's some uh there's some some fields some farms some things like that and so we were driving and it was just like burned down farms and like falling apart barns and corn and everything. And I just remember holding on to him and being like, we're going to turn this corner. Something's going to dash out of the corn. He's going to freak out, lose control. We're going to go like, The motorcycle is going to go like on its side and like slide like halfway into the corn. I'm going to roll off. We're going to be all cut up. He's going to be on the ground. He's probably going to be dying because he's an old man. And I'm going to have to deal with whatever (laughs) jumped out at us. Like, I just remember being a little kid and just thinking of the worst scenarios with corn because I was surrounded by it all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's simply just the way that my brain works. I'm just always thinking like, what could be really scary in this moment? So I got to think of the worst things, and that's how the Scarecrow Man was born.
0: I love that origin story. Origin story,
1: and hopefully uh, I continue that story, because you know what? I think that it deserves to be much longer than a short story.
0: Oh, I think it could be a novel.
1: I think so, too. And you know what? Stephen King did that with a lot of his books. So
0: The horror industry does not know what's coming. It's Marissa. Good luck. (laughs) It is Marissa.
1: Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed our first bonus episode. And you'll be getting another bonus episode soon if you're good. Yeah.
0: Be Me. nice or else you won't get or it. Else. Or else. And keep reading. Yeah. Go buy some goosebumps. Go
1: buy goosebumps. Go get ready. All your scary books in order.
0: Go watch the Ryan Gosling Goose nineteen ninety six Goosebumps episode. Apparently,
1: go check out Rl Stein's website. Yeah,
0: you have a long to do list, and we're expecting you to do it.
1: Uh, report back <laughs> next week with all your findings. <laughs> and that's all from us. All
0: right, squad.
1: Thanks for listening.